Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Detectives. When I was asked to investigate a series of petty thefts, I found that the name of the only thief was death. That is the situation on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. When I, Jerry Browning, pry into other people's business, I do it because I'm a private detective. But when other people do it... A snoop! That's what they call me, Mr. Browning. That impudent rascal Larry Monroe in the shipping room even threatened to punch my nose. I tried to keep from smiling. Well, now, Mr. Jenkins, people don't like to feel they're being watched every moment of the time. The fiery little man almost exploded with indignation. Watched? Of course they have to be watched. Why, if it weren't for me, Augustus Jenkins, the William Barker Company would be bankrupt by now. I stopped smiling. You mean the company has been suffering thefts, Mr. Jenkins? Appalling thefts! Postage stamps missing, clips, rubber bands, pencils. The stockroom inventory is never in balance. Uh, Yeah. Well, it's too bad, Mr. Jenkins, but I'd try not to worry about it if I were you. Then you won't try to find out who's stealing supplies? No, Mr. Jenkins, I'm afraid I can't. You see, you're acting as an individual and not for the company. Besides, my fee would be too high, way out of proportion to the seriousness of the uh, crimes. Jenkins tried to argue with me and insisted that he was ready to pay my fee for the satisfaction of catching the stockroom thief. And when I still declined... I'm shocked, Mr. Browning... You have no regard for law and order. Well, I'd got rid of the officious little man, and I forgot all about his visit. Until three days later, when the newspapers carried a headline, Stockroom Clerk Murdered. Three days after I refused to investigate a series of stockroom thefts, the clerk in charge was murdered. The William Barker Company was an outfit that did a national business in novelties and premium merchandise. Its president talked to me in his office. Mr. Browning, you say Jenkins consulted you professionally three days ago? That's right, sir. He was worried about stockroom thefts. Offered to pay my fee himself if I would catch the thief. Barker shook his head. Jenkins was a peculiar man. Been with us so long that, well, sometimes he mistook himself for the company. As for the thefts, they certainly weren't serious enough to be called to my attention. Just the same, he was killed. And I feel partly responsible because I turned him away. Mr. Barker, do you mind if I do an investigation of your employees? Barker got up. Not in the least. In fact, if you can prove who killed Jenkins, I will pay you any reasonable fee. The first thing I did was check Jenkins' stockroom. It contained the usual office supplies. If somebody backed up a truck and stole it all, he might just possibly realize $500 on the loot. I went on down to the factory part of the plant and watched the merchandise being turned out. Watch fobs, key rings, dime store jewelry and the like. From there, I went to the shipping room. A young man at one of the packing tables identified himself as Larry Monroe. Sure, I told Jenkins I'd punch his nose, telling me that I had no right to date Maggie Walsh, who works at the stamping machine. Are you sure that's all he told you? Nothing about shortages in merchandise? 
The boy's eyes grew round. Merchandise shortages? Just look at this junk. Seventy-two cents a dozen wholesale. Would you steal any of it, mister? Oh, I guess I wouldn't. I started to leave, then turned back. Larry, who else around here did Jenkins have any trouble with? Everybody else. If he wasn't squawking about the way we did our job, he'd be prying into what we did on our own time. Believe me, mister, he ain't gonna be missed. For days, I checked on the various company employees who might have had any grudge against Jenkins. In the end, it boiled down to this. Mr. Barker, the very worst that Jenkins could do to any of your employees would be to get that person fired. He couldn't even do that, Browning. He tried often. I never paid any attention to him. Okay. But even if somebody thought he could be fired because of what Jenkins said, that's still not a good enough reason to climb a fire escape, force a window, and shoot a man to death. I agree. And who did kill him? Mr. Barker, I haven't the slightest idea who did it or why. But I'm sure it wasn't any of your employees. Thanks for letting me bother you. Well, there I was, right back where I started from. The crime wasn't robbery. His wallet with $59 in it was on the bureau and hadn't been touched. I went on back to my office, sat down, and thought about the little man. He'd been a futile person, small, homely, unimportant. All the fun he ever got was prying into the lives and personal business of others. Prying. Does a man who's nosy and officious eight hours a day put aside his habits when he leaves his office? Of course he doesn't. He's the same sort of guy 24 hours a day. And that gave me my lead. I went back to the Barker office once more, talked to one of the file clerks. Tommy... I want you to think hard. A couple of days before Jenkins was killed, did he say anything about having seen something peculiar? Say, uh, a fight in the street or a hold-up or an accident? Yeah, Mr. Browning, an accident. I remember. Mr. Jenkins was going for his bus one evening, and he saw this car lock fenders with a number card, Lacey Street and Broad. He said he gave his name as a witness, and the next day when nobody called him, he said he was going to do things about it. That when an accident happened, they have to call in the witness. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks a lot. It took hours of going through all the papers in Jenkins' desk. But I finally found what I wanted on a scrap of paper. The notation of two automobile license numbers. And when I checked with the police... This first number tallies with the license plate on Steve Druggins' car. We found the car abandoned outside city limits. With Druggins' body stuffed in the trunk. Two days before this clerk Jenkins was killed. How about the other number, Captain? The police captain smiled grimly. That belongs to Hawk Foley, who's been trying to Mussolini on Steve's nightclub. Hawk claimed he hadn't seen Steve for a week before he was killed. Browning, I think you've solved two murders. He picked up a phone. Bring in Hawk Foley. Charge, murder of Steve Dragon and Augustus Jenkins. That was the answer, of course. Police matched up the Nicks in Dragon's car with the fender scratches on Hoke Foley's car. And that was the end of Hoke's alibi. Also, he hadn't bothered to set up any alibi for the time Jenkins was killed. He figured that one could never be traced to him. Poor Jenkins had been nosy once too often. Saw Dragon's car curved by Foley and his thugs. Didn't realize that what he was witnessing was a kidnapping prelude to murder. When he wasn't summoned as a witness the next day, Jenkins phoned Hoke Foley and wrote his own death warrant. 
Like I said, a private detective gets a license to be nosy and ask questions. But he's also given a gun to protect himself against people who can't afford to be questioned. 